You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. I'm just really going to try to present the gospel, simple gospel. And I'm going to go from John 14, 1 through 7 is our text. Before we do that, though, a little bit about the few chapters before that. Chapter 12 in John is a triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And then Jesus teaches about how some things must die in order to give life, where he gives an example of a grain of wheat going in the ground and dying and, and becoming fruitful. And then he, he begins to drop hints of his departure. He begins to drop hints to his disciples and apostles that he's going to be leaving soon. <clears throat> Chapter 13, we see the Last Supper or the Passover where Jesus... Uh, and the disciples are eating this Last Supper. And, and then afterwards, how Jesus girds himself with a towel and, and washes the disciples' feet. And how that uh, Peter said, no, Lord, you, you won't wash my feet. And he says, if you uh, don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. And then Peter says, wash all of me, more or less. And, and then Judas Iscariot is, is named by Christ as the betrayer. And again, he tells them that in a short while he will be leaving. And, and then he says, you, where I'm going, you cannot follow. And that's where we see Peter step up and say, Lord, I will, I will lay down my life for you. And, and Jesus said, before the cock crows, you would deny me three times. So try to imagine these men who have followed Christ for three and a half years or so, their Messiah, their teacher, their king, the one they look to, the one they were depending on to make everything right, starts telling them, I'm fixing to leave you. And where I'm going, you can't go. Their world was shattered, to say the least. The one that they had followed was fixing to abandon them, maybe what they thought. Three and a half years wasted may be what they thought. Three and a half years for nothing. And that's where we see Jesus speak these verses, one through seven. <clears throat> and he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for your word, for your encouragement, for your promises that we find in your blessed book. 
Thank you for making a way for us. Thank you for providing for us. Lord, I pray that you would use me for your honor and your glory tonight. Help us to know more about you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We find here the sixth of seven I am statements in the book of John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And later in chapter 15, I am the true vine. So mainly I'm going to focus on verse 6, mainly. But I, but I had to read the rest of it to, to, to give you an idea of what was going on. We're going to, I'm going to go backwards kind of. He, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to look at truth first. Jesus says, I am the truth. That to me is, means the only truth. There's one truth. You know, <clears throat> try to imagine a lot. Of, we have a lot of people that are handy with their hands and do woodwork or welding or stuff like that. Try to imagine a world where there was no such thing as a straight edge or a square. <laughs> well, I mean, serious. Nothing that you could put up beside something and say, yeah, that's straight. How would we do it? How would we, how would we know if something was straight? I could look at a board, hold it up there and look down, and that's pretty straight. I could give it to Justin. He could look down, and he said, ah, it's got a bow kind of that way. We'd have to kind of guess at it, wouldn't we? Christ is the truth. If, if we didn't, think about it, if we didn't have truth, we wouldn't know. But he is the truth. He says it. And, and, and if you like me, you believe it because it's in his book. But he is also the way to truth. Um, there's only, like I said, there's only one truth. Without Christ, there would be no truth. In John 1, 14 through 17, <clears throat> He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the way to truth. And the Bible also says that that truth will set you free. John 8, 31 through 32 says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, which is the truth, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Knowing the truth sets you free to be who God wants you to be, if that makes any sense. Pilate, Pilate said something that, that has always stuck with me when he was, when he had uh, Jesus and he was questioning him. He said three words: "What is truth?" John eighteen thirty seven through thirty eight. Pilate therefore said to him, "Are you a king then?" And Jesus answered, "You rightly, or you say rightly that I am a king." For this cause I was born, for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice, 
And Pilate said to him, what is truth? He didn't know it, but he was staring truth right in the face. He is the truth. He is the way to truth. Without him, there would be no truth. You know, the schools teach things and we learn things. How do we know they're true or not? This blessed book right here contains the truth. And it, now it doesn't spell it out just perfect every time, but everything in here is true, and that's what we can judge everything else by, yes. his word. Second, he says, I am the life. John eleven twenty five twenty six 26 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. He is the life. And like truth, he is the way to life. There's a lot of people in this world who think they are living a good life, a rich life, a, a, uh, a life that everybody wants. You know, there's people you look up to sometimes and you say, man, they got, it. They got a good life. And if you really dug into their lives, you might, think, you might find differently. But he is the, the life and the way to life. And just like truth... Where there would be no truth without Christ, there would be no real life without Christ. He offers eternal life. In John 3.16, we all know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're like me, you can't wrap your mind around everlasting life. But I know it comes through Christ and it's going to be amazing. He is also the giver of life. When Adam was created by him from the dirt, the Bible says that he breathed life into him. He's the giver of life. John 17, 1-3 says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So he is the way to eternal life, but he's also the way to abundant life. We as Christians, speaking to myself mainly, should have, should be living an abundant life. Think, of, think about the, the life we have in our Savior. He is the one that gives abundant life. He says uh, in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It's possible to have an abundant life now. We're waiting on that eternal life where it's going to be wonderful and, and beyond our imagination, but it's possible to have that abundant life now. And it's not, usually not, in riches or fame. It's in contentment and peace Amen. with the relationship that you have with Christ. So he is the life and the way to life. <clears throat> 
Now let's get to the way. I am the way. Brother Greg preached, uh, preached on these verses that I'm going to share with you uh, a couple of Sunday nights ago. It comes from Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He, Jesus Christ, is the way to the kingdom of heaven. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many that go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. So from that verse right there, the narrow gate, it's called the difficult way. And it is through belief and it leads to life. The wide gate is called the broad way and it's unbelief and it leads to destruction. Now, me being the simple person that I am, <clears throat> my simple observation is that the way is difficult. The way to the kingdom of heaven is difficult. Now, don't get me wrong. It's simple, right? All you got to do is believe, believe and trust and call out on his name. <clears throat> but listen, listen to these verses. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Nobody in this building will ever say that denying yourself is easy, right? It's difficult. Taking up your cross daily is difficult. John 15, 18 through 19 says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, <clears throat> the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. It's difficult when people hate you for what you believe. John 16, 1 through 3, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whosoever kills you will think they offer God service. These things they they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. The possibility of death because of what you believe is difficult. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Difficult. Yet so easy. And lastly, John, I mean, Christ tells Nicodemus something that's difficult he says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Being born again, that's difficult to think about. It's difficult, but it's simple. He is the way to the Father. He, he finishes verse 6 with, no man comes to the Father except through me. The world hates to hear the word exclusive. He is the exclusive way to heaven. There's not many ways you know, if I, if I told you that I needed you to leave here and go to, I don't know, Kansas City, you know how many ways there are to get from here to Kansas City? You could, if you wanted to, you could go to New York City before you went to Kansas City, right? <laughs> there are many ways to get from point A to point B. There's one way Amen. to get to heaven. He is the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. <clears throat> now, the problem is, without Christ, we cannot get to heaven. 
we can't work enough, we can't be baptized enough, we can't do enough service in the church to get to heaven. Because some 6,000 years ago or more, God spoke, and it was. He created everything there is. He created man in his own image. And woman, man and woman, male and female, he created them. He put them in a garden. They had everything they needed, everything they wanted, even the right relationship with God. He walked and talked with them in the cool of the day. Gave them one, one law, one rule. He said, you can eat of the fruit of the, fruit of the tree of the garden except the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, for in the day that you do eat of the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil, you shall die. Adrian touched on that this morning. They didn't die. They did break that law. They didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. They were separated. They were driven out of the garden. Could not be in the presence of God anymore because he was holy, and they were not. <clears throat> the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now fast forward 4,000 years or so. A virgin gave birth to a son of the Holy Spirit. God himself put on flesh. Lived a sinless life. Tempted just as we are without sin. Healed people. Drove out demons. Raised the dead to life. And for all that good, he was uh, accused and judged worthy of death. Nothing wrong. Never did anything wrong. Then <clears throat> he was abandoned by those who followed him. He was shamed. He willingly went, for that's what he came for. He was ridiculed and shamed, beaten and scourged, hung on an old root rugged cross. First Corinthians, Paul says, or second Corinthians, excuse me, 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Man, we, we lose sight of what he did for us. That day, hanging on that cross, the sin of the whole world was on him. What does sin do to me? Sin brings shame, guilt, all of that from the whole world on him. Not only that, the wrath of God because of our sin was on him. And he, the Bible says he gave up his ghost and died there. And he was buried in a, buried, a borrowed tomb. And three days later he rose from the dead. I always love, uh, when we're on these overseas missions, I always love to talk about that. And, and I ask them, how many people do you know that rose from the dead? And they all do like that. <laughs> None. How can we come across the ocean to a foreign land and tell them about somebody who rose from the dead? But he did. He rose from the dead. He was witnessed by hundreds for 40 days alive from the dead. He ascended right there in front of them 
back to heaven where he came from. He sits there ready to intercede for you and me. And according to the verses we just read, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. He's coming again. So what does that mean? It means we better be ready. Spiritually, we better have our life in order. We better have our spiritual life in order according to the truth. And simply put, it's simple as admitting to God. God, you're right. You say I'm a sinner. You are right. I am a sinner. I have sinned and broken your law. And believe. Believe his word. And that belief produces obedience and repentance. It's more than just being sorry. The Bible says, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 17, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And lastly, simply confess, God, I can't save myself. I need you. You sent your son to die for me. You say that if I, if, I, if I will believe that he did that and rose from the dead, that you will save me. He says uh, in Romans 10, 9, <clears throat> if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For scripture says, whosoever believes on him will not be ashamed and the next, or the skip a verse and get to the last verse, verse 13. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The simple gospel. He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died for my sin and your, your sin, rose from the dead, ascended back to heaven. He's coming again. We have to do something with that. Every person has to do something with that. We have to believe it or we have to not believe it. There's no middle ground. Just like there's no middle ground in truth. There's no middle ground in life. It's, it's either life or death. It's either truth or false. There's one way and that's the only way and that's Christ. Christ. 